Hey, when you have health insurance, it's easy to forget about those out-of-pocket costs. Now, that could be a lot of money, but are your medical bills accurate? Now, it's estimated that over 50% of medical bills actually contain errors. Now, HealthLock can help. HealthLock technology securely connects with your insurance and flags any overbilling, wrong codes, or fraud. Now, you can even have HealthLock work on your behalf to get money back from select past bills. Now, to date, HealthLock has helped its members save over $130 million. Check them out online, healthlock.com. Go there today. Now, nowadays, 20 bucks barely gets you a burger and fries or maybe a quarter of a tank of gas if you're lucky. You know what it will get you, though? For just $20 a month, you can get unlimited talk and text and plenty of 5G data from my cell phone company, Pure Talk. Make the switch today, and if you do it today, you save an additional 50% off your first month. They use the same 5G network, same cell towers as the big carriers, and most families saving close to $1,000 a month. Just go to puretalk.com slash Sean, that's Sean, S-E-A-N. Make the switch today so you can actually afford that burger and fries. Hey, Sean Hannity here. If you're in a situation where you feel threatened, well, instinct, that might drive you to reach for a lethal means immediately. But we all want to avoid the irreversible consequences of using deadly force. Now, enter the burner, less lethal pistol launcher. It is equipped with tear gas and kinetic ammo. It can incapacitate any attacker for up to 40 minutes. It's legal in all 50 states. It requires no background checks, and it can be shipped right to your door. Go to their website, byrna.com slash Hannity right now, and you'll get 10% off. Let not your heart be troubled. You are listening to the Sean Hannity Radio Show Podcast. All right, so I have insomnia, but I've never slept better. And what's changed? Just a pillow. It's had such a positive impact on my life. And, of course, I'm talking about my pillow. I fall asleep faster, I stay asleep longer, and now you can too. Just go to MyPillow.com or call 800-919-6090. Use the promo code Hannity, and Mike Lindell, the inventor of MyPillow, has the special four-pack. Now, you get 40% off two MyPillow premiums and two go-anywhere pillows. Now, MyPillow is made here in the USA, has a 60-day unconditional money-back guarantee and a 10-year warranty. Go to MyPillow.com right now or call 800-919-6090, promo code Hannity, to get Mike Lindell's special four-pack offer. You get two MyPillow premium pillows and two go-anywhere pillows for 40% off, and that means once those pillows arrive, you start getting the kind of peaceful and restful and comfortable and deep-healing and recuperative sleep that you've been craving and you certainly deserve. MyPillow.com, promo code Hannity. You will love this pillow. All right, lots to talk about on this Thursday. Glad you are with us. Write down our toll-free telephone number. You want to be a part of this extravaganza. It's 800-941-SEAN if you want to be a part of the program. So last night after Hannity, the TV show, it just all hell is breaking loose. Just to quote a phrase here, it was going nuts. Here's the statement. So yesterday the president meets out bipartisan group of congressmen and um, more Democrats than Republicans And then the president, you know, we're going to work together, work together, work together. All fine, good, expected for reasons I'll get into in a second. Then he has dinner, I assume, at the White House with Chuck Schumer and Nancy Pelosi. Pelosi and Schumer, after dinner, release a joint statement that they had a very productive dinner with the president at the White House. And it focused on the program known as the Deferred Action for Childhood Arrivals, DACA. 
we agreed to enshrine the protections of DACA into law quickly and to work out a package of border security excluding the wall. That is acceptable to both sides. Now, I can play it, and we've got montages, but I don't want to eat up all of our time here in this opening segment. We all know how many times the president on the campaign trail, and since he has been president, said that he is going to build the wall. It's going to be a big, beautiful wall. The wall will have a door in it, but it's going to be a wall. And so I'm hearing this last night, and I'm thinking, first I'm getting a little angry, I'm getting a little mad, and then, you know, part of me doubts it. Part of me never trusts Schumer and Pelosi, and and part of me resents why the president was put in this position. Now, I want to go through this slowly so that everybody understands where we are and the great danger I think this president is now facing politically for himself and why it's happening and why we are where we are. Now, you, you have to start with something that is just I, I read this last night and I just decide I'm going to tweet out. Hey, Mitch, great job. Meaning Mitch McConnell. I did make a mistake. I picked the wrong Twitter account. Boy, you make one little itsy-bitsy mistake on Twitter. They're ready to rip your head off. That's not his account, you idiot. And I'm like, okay, I'll fix it. I'm sorry. Biggest mistake anybody can make in their life. Oh, bad me. Bad. Oh, oh, oh. I got to hit myself. All right, ridiculous. So, all right, hey, Mitch, great job. You failed so miserably with health care. And excessive expectation. You know, Mitch was saying, oh, you know, one of the problems, I'm so mad, I'm ticked off. Everyone thinks we ought to have gotten a lot more done. La, 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 la. I'm like, oh, my God, it's eight months. You promised us for eight years. What the hell's wrong with you? How could you be that out of touch with the American people? Eight months is an eternity, and you can't get an eight-year promise done. It's pathetic. And then I pointed out what I've been discussing on this program for the last two days. And that's Roll Call's report that McConnell thinks, well, the tax deal may be pushed into 2018. Those two days ago in roll call, and I, I mentioned it in both shows, radio and TV, the last two days. And I wrote, wasted opportunities, betrayal, epic Republican failure. It is a failure. It's a massive failure. And then I go on to tweet last night, and I go on to say, and if the president doesn't keep his promise, in other words, of what Pelosi and Schumer said is true, If the president goes for amnesty, it will be the political equivalent of read my lips, no new taxes. You may remember this, and this, I would argue, played a very big part in George Herbert Walker Bush losing in 1992 to Bill Clinton. Here's what he said. Raise taxes and I'll say no, and they'll push and I'll say no, and they'll push again and I'll say to them, read my lips. And then he raised taxes, and it was all over for him. Words and promises matter. One thing the president's got to understand here, he's got anywhere between a 40, 46% approval rating. I always argue there's at least five, seven points extra for him because there are some people that don't want to admit they like him. Um, But putting all that aside, if the president in any way does not keep his word on the issue of building this wall, if the president somehow it gets and he's a great businessman, I know he knows this, but I'm just saying there's a danger here because every single time 
Congress promises that they're going to offer you spending cuts with tax increases. You always get the tax increase up front. You never, ever get the spending. You never get the spending reductions ever. That's 10 years down the line. You never see it. It's like always smoke and mirrors. You know, you're always you'll always get the concession in this case, DACA, Dreamers, etc. But you'll never get the wall. And the president's got to understand this is not negotiable for him, because if he ever goes along with any deal and, and he commented on it today, and I'll tell you his exact comments in a minute. But he's got to understand if he makes any deal whatsoever, the compromises, building that wall, that big, beautiful wall that he kept promising, politically speaking, the base will forever abandon him. I don't want that to happen to him because that means we're going to get eight more years of an Obama-like president and the country's going to continue to go down the tubes. And what this election was about was the working men and women, the forgotten men and women that need help, the 50 million in poverty on food stamps and out of the labor force. So there is there's some very, very dangerous waters that the president's walking into here. Now, it's 100% true that the colossal failure of the Republicans to keep their promises and keep their word certainly has created the conditions where he even has to bother to sit down with Pelosi and Schumer. And I'm ticked off at all of them, and I've been saying it for months now, how inefficient they are, how pathetic they are, how weak they are, how the Republican Party has no identity. Trump has an identity. He he can't give that, you know, Mitch McConnell's at 18% in his own state. Then I tweeted out last night, politicians are supposed to keep their word. When they don't keep their word, those that voted for them, advocated for them, supported them, donated to them, they get pissed off. Republican failure on health care, if they broke their word, they failed. And and you've got it for the president to be successful. His he I want him to be successful. He's got to keep his word. And this was one of the biggest promises. Now, the other maybe a couple of weeks ago on TV, I did ding, 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 ding. A lot of people commented on it. And that was everything that he said he was going to do that he did. He can't stop now. And then I tweeted out, weak Republicans betrayed voters. The president need not follow that. He needs to stay the course. He needs to keep his promises or it's over. People will not trust anybody in Washington. You know, it's bad enough that we have two parties that are part of the swamp. He does. He's the outsider that so far has kept his word. And Pelosi and Schumer, they can never be trusted. And I hope the president doesn't get sucked into trusting these people because they will. There's nothing about him they like. There's nothing that they'll ever say good about him. We'll remind him tonight, at least on TV, maybe here of all the horrible things they have said about him over this last number of times. But the key, the success, and this goes for the House, the Senate, and the president, and anybody in politics. If you make promises to people, keep your promises. The the antidote to anything, any problem the president has is stay on his agenda. Help the forgotten men and women that voted for him. In Michigan, Wisconsin, Ohio, Pennsylvania, and every other state. And the people that were hurt, the 13 million more Americans on food stamps, the 8 million more in poverty, the the 95 million Americans that were out of work, the lowest labor participation rate, the 51-year low in home ownership rate, and the worst recovery since the 40s and the doubling of the debt. That's the answer. That's the antidote. That's what matters. That's what he will be judged on. 
It's not going to be all the noise that is created by conspiracy theory TV hosts. And they're all over the place. And I know some of them are listening right now. Now, if reports are true, and this is what I tweeted out last night, I blame Republicans. They pushed him into the arms of Pelosi and Schumer. Because let's be honest, I've always talked about the five forces that have been working against this president from day one. No president has had a leak a day the way this president has. We don't have leaks of presidents talking to prime ministers like in the case of Australia or the president of Mexico. Obama didn't have to deal with a deep state like this, trying to undermine him every day. The Democrats, we know, hate him. They haven't lifted a finger and they've called him racist and everything else they can think of. The media wakes up every day. Oh, how can we try and destroy his credibility and take away any ability of him to function and do his job every day? And then I said, what are the other two? Weak Republicans and never Trumpers. They hate him, too. So if, you know, he doesn't have to break his word just because the Republican Party is pathetic at their job. And staying the course is going to be good for everybody. So they wanted him to fail. And if he goes ahead and goes along with any of these capitulations without getting the very big item he pushed for, to me, it is the, it would become the equivalent of read my lips, no new taxes. You know, it's the same old Washington, D.C. game we've got going on here. Promise the spending cut in exchange for tax increases. You get the tax increase. You get no spending cut. You get the consideration, in this case, for, for DACA, for young kids that are now adults, that have been here through no fault of their own. Fine. Okay. But you got to get the wall first. You got to get it fully funded. You got to start building it. Build the wall first. Get the wall done first. That is the only solution here. And I know the president's probably in business used to shaking somebody's hand and making a deal and knowing that the people on the other side of the table are going to keep their word. That's not the case in Washington, D.C. at all. And sometimes it's difficult to keep your word, Mr. President. You know that. You've been staying the course. And don't become like the rest of this swamp out there. And Schumer and Pelosi, trust me, do not want you to succeed. They want you to fail. And they're hoping to set the exact same trap that George Herbert Walker Bush fell into. Dems want DACA. They don't want the wall. They came out saying that you gave up on the wall last night. And you came out today, to your credit, you were on Air Force One. This is what you said. What we're doing is we're doing it in conjunction with the Republicans. We have a very, very good relationship with a lot of people. A lot of people want this to happen. They expect it to happen. And we'll see if it happens. But we'll only do it if we get extreme security, if we get not only surveillance, but everything that goes along with surveillance. And ultimately, we have to have the wall. If we don't have the wall, we're doing nothing. Why did the Democrats say there was a deal? Stop right there. If we don't. But if we don't have the wall, we're doing nothing. And that's what I finally said. Oh, thank God. He can't go with a promise and not the money into law funded. Because the Democrats will do everything in their power, as will the Republicans, to make him go back on this promise. You know, these are the five forces You know, make no mistake, Schumer and Pelosi want him to break his word. And this now is ultimately the president's decision. And my advice is you got to stick to your agenda. You know, and that goes for the same on on tax cuts and your tax plan and on getting the economy going. All of that's important, which we'll get to when we come back. 
These are dangerous waters. And by the way, you can thank weak, pathetic Republicans with no sense of urgency or integrity that had no no earthly intention, 100 in the House, 7 in the Senate, of ever keeping their word on repeal and replace. They pushed the president into Pelosi and Schumer's arms. Great job, Republican Party. But he still has his responsibility to keep his promises, and I was glad that he said that today. We'll take a break. We'll come back. We'll continue. We'll also get to your calls. 800-941-SEAN. Straight ahead. All right, as we roll along, Sean Hannity Show, 800-941-SEAN. You want to be a part of the program. There's certain promises the presidents make and that politicians make. You just got to keep. And I guess sometimes it gets hard because they push and they push and they push and they push. You know, Democrats are also trying to set a trap on taxes. Now, the president, you know, said yesterday, well, I think the wealthy, their their taxes are going to remain about the same. And if not, they may go a little higher. He never said a little higher when he was running for office. Here's the problem with that. The president's plan to get the the forgotten men and women to work here is basically contingent on a growing, thriving economy. How do you get a growing, thriving economy? How do you prevent 13 million more Americans from being on food stamps and 8 million more in poverty like Obama and doubling the debt? How do you prevent that? It's called economic growth. The president's got the right plan. Across the board tax cuts, seven brackets to three, 15% corporate rate. Multinationals repatriated at a very low rate. They'll bring those trillions back to America. Energy independence. How many times have I said there's millions of high-paying career jobs available and then he's already cut regulations. He's gotten rid of a lot of the Obama regular regulations. And he, he just he can't get trapped into this this old thinking mentality. You know, Reagan slashed the top marginal rate in the course of his presidency from 70 to 28 percent. Revenues to the government doubled. Twenty million new jobs were created. And that was after the 82 recession. I mean, he needed some time to get this thriving and it worked. You know, it's it's simple economics because those multinationals, those corporations, quote, rich people, well, what they're going to do is they're going to end up spending money and buying boats. And as Geraldo said yesterday, bought a helicopter after the Reagan tax cuts. But that keeps people working. Then they'll build manufacturing centers and factories. And, you know, the top one percent already paid thirty nine point five percent of the federal income taxes. Top 10 percent pays seventy point nine percent. The bottom 50% pays nothing, and that's it. So the rich, quote, are already paying their fair share. The idea is to get them to spend their money and stimulate the economy and build the factories in Michigan, Wisconsin, Pennsylvania, and Ohio. Democrats are setting traps all over the place here, and it's because Republicans are so pathetic. All right, 25 till the top of the hour, 800-941-SEAN. You want to be a part of the program? Let me play for you Chuck Schumer. They really, He really likes us. He likes us. Listen to this. Sometimes I say you got to go a little right, sometimes a little left. Here's Schumer on the, I believe it was the Senate floor today. Where did you get this tape, Linda? Because I know you picked it up somewhere. Yeah, Senate floor. Yeah, all right, let's play it. So I just got here. Anything new? No. He likes, he likes us. He likes me anyway. Look, what we said is exactly accurate. Here's what I told him. I said, Mr. President, you're much better off if you can sometimes step right and sometimes step left. If you have to step just in one direction, you're boxed. He gets that. Oh, it's going to work out, and it'll make us more productive, too. 
hey, sometimes you got to step right and sometimes you got to step left. And if you step in only one direction, you know, you get boxed in. Yeah, okay. You think Chuck Schumer wants Trump to succeed? Do we have any of the tapes of, of Schumer and Pelosi ripping on the president? Because they so there's been... so many inconsistencies. So many inconsistencies. I'm trying really hard to find something positive. Uh, I, I wonder about, although this morning he had three tweets, I was thinking he was more of a creature that stalked the night, that these things just came out at night like a vampire. And they tweeted these things, but now it's spread to the morning. So uh, let me think for a while. And we all respect, certainly in San Francisco we do, the right of people to speak out and, and express their views. Uh, but the, the balance between liberty and security is one that has to be uh, guaranteed. And unfortunately, what these, uh, uh, you call them alt-right, I think they call themselves that, I call them Nazis, white supremacist, uh, nas- white nationalist, what they are doing is, is, is uh, endangering people. But are you worried that these tensions will continue to escalate across the country and here in the Bay Area? The, it depends on these, these groups. They have decided that they uh, are going, they're emboldened. The president has emboldened them and they're going to go around the country to other places as well. And I named my daughter, her middle name is Emma, named for Emma Lazarus, the great poet who wrote those lines on the pedestal of the uh, Statue of Liberty. Give me your tired, your poor, your huddled masses yearning to breathe three, free. What breathe the rest? So this executive order was, was mean-spirited and un-American. It was implemented in a way that created chaos and confusion across the country, and it will only serve to embolden and inspire those around the globe who will do us harm. It must be reversed immediately. Senate Democrats are going to introduce legislation to overturn this and move it as quickly as we can. And I, as your senator from New York, will claw, scrap, and fight with every fiber of my being. All right, enough of the crybaby. I can't take it anymore. Now, here's what I know about the president. I can only give you the insight that I've had and being on the road with him during the campaign. And he knows the people's reaction. He knows who is. He knows the people that put him in that house. He knows them. And um, I know the president, I think, pretty well. The president is a never ending negotiator. Consummate. He's the best negotiator. He never stops. He negotiates like you'll have a time set for an interview. You get this. Oh, well, let's just do 10 minutes. Uh, and I'm like, well, we agreed to a half hour. And then they'll say, all right, we'll do 20. It's fine. <laughs> that is quintessentially Donald Trump. I mean, there's a part of it that is extraordinarily bright, smart, charming, and that's who he is. He negotiates everything. Um, so part of me is just like, okay, I understand. You're sending a message to everybody. You're sending a message to Republicans because you're such failures. You have no urgency. You didn't even have a plan to extend the debt ceiling when you're on a month vacation in August. So, I mean, it's pretty pathetic. They're just pathetic. And I kind of understand that the president is out there and the president's thinking, all right, well, I'm just going to send a message that, okay, I'll just get it done any way I need to get it done. Um, By the way, is John Roberts now live with the president on Air Force One? No, Yeah, I think we that can was go to that if you like. Now, well, I want to just finish this thought. 
So my guess is the president is who he is. There's only one thing that he said. I'm going to play again what he said earlier. Ah, No wall, no deal, nothing. Let me play that from earlier today. Now what we're doing is we're doing it in conjunction with the Republicans. We have a very, very good relationship with a lot of people. A lot of people want this to happen. They expect it to happen. And we'll see if it happens. But we'll only do it if we get extreme security, if we get not only surveillance, but everything that goes along with surveillance. And ultimately, we have to have the wall. If we don't have the wall, we're doing nothing. Why did the Democrats say there was a deal at dinner? There was no deal. They didn't say they had a deal. In fact, they just put out a statement. They didn't say that at all. Mr. President, if Republicans aren't able to get something in six months, will you continue the DACA program on your Well, we'll talk about that, but I think a deal will be made before six months. So no, no relief for DACA recipients unless you get the wall? Is that what you're saying? The wall, at some point, they're going to have to. They cannot obstruct the wall. The wall, to me, is vital. If I don't get the wall, then we will become the obstruction. What has to come first, wall? And, and well, we have to have an understanding that whether it's in the budget or some other vehicle, in a fairly short period of time, the wall will be funded. Otherwise, we're not doing any deal. Otherwise, we're not doing any deal. The wall's going to be funded or we're not doing any deal. If we don't have the wall, we're not doing nothing. That, that reassures me. He only said the only uh, part of that... You know, at some point, you know, he says that, you know, we're going to we're going to fund it later. It's got to be in writing. It's got to be funded. It's got to be written in blood because it's D.C. and it's the sewer and it's a swamp. And these people would love nothing more than to look. Here's what the presidents are. Here are what the Democrats are arguing. And I I think the way this is going to work out is this way. If you want to know how I think it's going to end up. And the president was pretty clear about this today. He said, look, we're not talking about amnesty. We're talking about people that have come to this country. I'm using his words. We're talking about taking care of people, people, people that were brought here, people that have done a good job, uh, that were not brought here, that were brought here not of their own volition. But more importantly, we have to have the wall. So I think what he's saying is no amnesty, that they would work out some type of agreement that they wouldn't be citizens and they'd get to stay in the country and they wouldn't be thrown out. That's my guess where it's going. And many of you are going to argue that's amnesty. I'm just telling you what I where I think it's headed. But I do think he's negotiating. But I do worry that it's the same thing we've seen in the past. You get the concession, which would be on 800,000 DACA kids that are now adults and not kids anymore, and that you would never get the wall funded. And built just like you get tax increases, you never get the spending cuts. And that's the threat to the president. None of this would be happening if the Republicans did their job. All right, let's go to some calls here. Panama City, Florida. Elizabeth uh, is with us. Elizabeth, hi, how are you? Hope you're recovering from Hurricane Irma. Hi, Sean. We did very well. I hope your house did too. It's fine. I'm not worried. Never was worried. And you know what? It's only property. Just as long as everybody was safe. That's all I cared about. Yes, absolutely. I just wanted to remind you, I think it's good that you keep bringing up to the president that he has to keep his promises. But I also think it's important to remember that for he gave the GOP seven months to do things their way. So nobody could come back to him and say that he didn't follow that way. And now that they have failed, they're going to have to go at his speed. And his speed is four-dimensional chess. These people don't know what's coming to them. They just don't. They can, he can keep up with them, but they're never going to be able to keep up with him. So I think it's important to trust 
that the president is going to keep his promises. And those of us who voted for him know that he will. Nobody, nobody is crazy enough to put themselves in the situation that the president is to not keep their promises. So I know. Look, but you know, but but here's the thing, you know, and I should it's not fair, but I guess I just feel so burned by Republicans because we learned during health care, 100 House Republicans had no intention. All those votes on repealing and replacing were show votes, like 60 of them. And the seven senators that voted just to repeal in 2015 and wouldn't do it in 2017. I mean, it, they were all show votes. So I'm, I've kind of feel a little burned here. And I think people have been burned before by politicians and. That's why the admonition, you know, the warning, I think, the troubled waters that the president's facing it, this was, this is the equivalent of read my lips to me. And so I'm pointing out a, a big danger for the president, and I don't trust, you know, listen to Nancy Pelosi. She's calling him a Nazi, white supremacist, you know, racist, all these things. That's what they think of him. That's what they think of us. That's what they think of anybody that's conservative. That's what they say about us every election. That makes sense? Remember that he's a uh, common sense conservative, not exactly a Republican. So I think he's going to keep his words, Sean. So far, look, I'm the one that did the monologue, ding, 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 and nobody else in the media will ever give him credit for any of the things that he's done. He's done a lot of great things, and we're seeing results. I mean, we see that the economy is growing. We saw 3% updated growth second quarter. That was huge for this country. We'll see what the next quarter brings us. But remember, Obama never got 3% in a year his entire presidency, and he was the only president never to achieve that. Anyway, thank you, Elizabeth. Appreciate it. 800-941-SEAN-ALEX, Sacramento. Uh, Alex, you're on the Sean Hannity Show. Hey, Sean. Good to talk to you. Yes, sir. Juan, just make a quick point. We wouldn't be having this conversation if Republicans worked with Trump. And I think the solution really is not that we have to worry about Pelosi taking over Congress. We need just to primary these guys out. And that needs to be. Oh, that's all happening. Oh, that's all going to happen. That's all going to happen. And every one of them that gets the primary is going to deserve it. And, you know, there was an article written about me. I don't know if it was the Washington Post hates me as usual. But, I mean, all these fake news outlets, Hannity picks and backs the wrong candidates. Well, not really. Um, There are times that I I take risks with people that are, you know, at zero percent or five percent in the polls to make a point. I'm not supporting people that suck that I know are awful, that I know are establishment, that I know are just going to be watered-down versions of the Democratic Party. But they're going to be very – look at what's happening in Alabama. Roy Moore, I think, is going to win that race in Alabama because Luther Strange is backed by Mitch McConnell. Mitch McConnell now is the kiss, kiss of death at 18%. All right, Lori in Rhode Island. Thank you, Alex. You're next. Hi, Lori. Much for taking my call. Yes, ma'am. What's going on? I have to disagree with you. I really feel like he probably made that deal behind closed doors. And I just don't like the wording in his comments today. The fact that he said ultimately we'll get the wall doesn't sound good. And I think, I mean, I'm grateful that Chuck Schumer came out and threw him under the bus almost instantaneously. That way he'll get his back up and maybe he'll backpedal on it. But I think that was the deal they struck. We'll get security. We'll get surveillance. We'll put it off, but ultimately we're going to get it. And now, you know, hopefully his his hands will be tied with the base and he'll have to come back around. Lori, the only thing that that scared me, remember, he did say a couple of times, and I think this is important. If we don't have the wall, we're doing nothing. And he said it not once. And he said, you know, he he went on to say if the wall if they're going to obstruct the wall, 
We'll be determining how much we need. We're not doing anything without the wall. So the only thing, the only risk, I agree with you. There, there was some wording in there that bothered me about sounding like the wall is going to be funded later. That to me is you get the tax increase. You don't get the spending cut. That's you get, you know, the consideration or on DACA, but you don't get the wall built. That's that's why I'm saying what I'm saying. My fear is that right now, because he's been beaten up in the press and he's desperate for a victory and he's had great victories, but I mean victories that the press will talk about is I fear that he really thinks he can align himself with those folks. You know, he's going to he's going to be under the delusion. Uh, He's not. He's going to turn around. I know him too well. He's not. He's too smart. He's he believe he knows where Chuck and Nancy are coming from. I'm telling you, he just is. But there is a danger. They'll promise him the moon and give him nothing in the end. But I think it's a it's a valid concern, which is why I'm where I am today. Uh, let's go to Jeff Houston, Texas, KTRH. Hope you're doing down. Uh, hope you're doing well down there. What's going on, Jeff? Hey, uh, thank you for taking my call, Sean. And yes, I'm doing well. I was one of the fortunate few. Yeah, we only uh, got about thirty seconds though, so go for it. Absolutely, uh, Trump's outsmarting everybody. He's a smart guy. Look at some of the important policy decisions that he's made. Um, and if you look at it, he's taken the far right-hand position on it. And it's, it's negotiating 101. It's, he's anchoring. He's anchoring on the far right. For, for example, DACA. Just two weeks ago, he said that um, they were going to discontinue it. Sessions said that to everyone. Well, now, uh, a week and a half later, now he's got a chip. And he's using that chip to get something. Maybe it's uh, infrastructure. Listen, maybe uh, it's tax reduction. You're raising a great point. I, I got. I wish I had more time for your call. Um, we got a lot coming up, though. You're making a great point. There's no doubt. Look, you don't get everything you want in Washington, but the president's got to get the wall, and he can give no considerations until he gets it. But yeah, is DACA probably what's going to be the net, the net give on that? Probably. That's my guess. All right, 800-941-SEAN. You want to be a part of the program. All right, we got so much more coming up in the course of the program today. And we'll get a lot more of your calls in. I know a lot of you are very passionate about this, and we want to get as many calls in in the program today as we can. Congressman Dave Bratt, Congressman Louie Gohmert. By the way, Carl Rove called out the Freedom Caucus. They're going to react to that. They'll react to this DACA issue and the president and much more. And then Sebastian Gorka, straight ahead. You talked about Mexico. How quickly could you build a wall? How do you make them pay for the wall, as you said? So easy. Will a politician be able to do it? Absolutely not. It's 100% they're going to pay. And if they don't pay, we'll charge them a little tariff. It'll be paid. We're going to do the wall. And by the way, who's going to pay for the wall? Mexico's going to pay for the wall. The press came to me, and they told me that he said would not pay for the wall. Do you have a comment? I said, yes, the wall just got 10 feet taller. As soon as we can, as soon as we can physically do it, we're... uh, For months? uh, I would say in months, yeah. I would say in months. Certainly planning is starting immediately. It's your first day in office. How long will it be till that wall's complete? Well, it'll be, I would say it'll be complete within two years from the time we start. We'll start quickly. We'll start quickly. And it'll be a real wall. It'll be a real wall. Don't even think about it. We will build the wall. Don't even think about it. I watch the media as they say, well, he just had some fun during the campaign on the wall. 
That wasn't fun, folks. We're building that wall, and walls do work. Now, the obstructionist Democrats would like us not to do it, but believe me, we have to close down our government. We're building that wall. Let me be very clear to Democrats in Congress who oppose a border wall and stand in the way of border security. You are putting all of America's safety at risk. You're doing that. We need the wall very badly. As you know, Mexico has a tremendous crime problem. Tremendous. All right, that's the president. Hour two, Sean Hannity show, 800-941-SEAN throughout the campaign. And when he became president, reinforcing his president, uh, his promise to the people as president that he would get that wall built. And what the president is saying today, he did not back down at all from all of this. He said that the statement by Pelosi and Schumer last night were inaccurate, not true. And then he went on to say there will be no deal whatsoever. Ultimately, we have to have a wall. And if we don't have the wall, we're doing nothing. Anyway, joining us now, Freedom Caucus members, Representative Louis Gohmert of Texas, Dave Brad of Virginia, here to discuss all of these developments. I just want to say to both of you, one of the things that I think frustrates me, and I said this, uh, I'm extremely frustrated, and I'm arguing this, and you guys tell me if I'm wrong. Because of this colossal Republican inexcusable failure, I think the president's doing two things simultaneously. One, I think he's negotiating. And number two, I think he's seeking out legitimate alternatives so he can at least get some of his promises accomplished if he needs it. Now, there's a great risk for him here, and especially when you read the statement of Pelosi and Schumer, and they say, well, he agreed to DACA, which he denied today, and then he went on to say there'll be no deal without a wall, and they said, well, there's no agreement on the wall, so they want him to look as bad as possible. My argument is if the president, after he promised this all during the campaign, the last eight months, if he doesn't build the wall and push and insist on the wall, that's the equivalent of read my lips, no new taxes. That would be horrible for him. Louis Gomer. Yeah, I think you're exactly right, Sean. Of course, it's one of the reasons I love you. I agree with you so much. But, uh, yeah, it's exactly right. And I don't believe he would do that. And I do believe the president when he says, no, I hadn't made a deal. My problem is, and I've been consistent in this for years, and, and you've been down on the border, down on the uh, Texas border. You know, we There are areas where we have got to have a wall. There's somewhere you don't have to have one, like Big Ben National Park. But there are somewhere you got to have it. And I believe on my heart the president's going to get that done. But every single time, Border Patrol make this clear, every single time anybody in Congress, administration, whether Obama, Bush, uh, Trump, anybody in administration or Congress talks about well, we're going to agree to legalize these people that came in illegally. We're going to do this. We may embrace DACA. Every time, it dramatically increases the numbers of people rushing across the border illegally. And so all day today, you know, people have been asking, well, what about this deal? I am not commenting. I do not want any comments I make to ever cause people to be lured into the United States, because every time it happens, there's some that get drawn into uh, sex slavery. There's some that die trying to get in. There are people that become drug dealers. They're forced into it by the drug cartels that brought them across. And so there's just... 
I don't even want to talk about what we may agree to once the border's secure. And, and Trump is doing a good job. I know you've talked about it. He is getting the border much more secure than it has been uh, maybe in decades. But, uh, you know, we're going to get a wall bill. But until that's done, I won't even talk about what we may agree to once it's done. But, but look, we're, we're going to work something out once it's uh, once it's done, it's built, and the board. Listen, secure. I understand I this, President. And I, I just, you know, you got to hope in the back of your mind that he's he's the consummate negotiator here, and I think he's sending a loud yeah, message to the bad. Republican Party too in all of this, Dave Brad. And that is okay. Look, you guys can't even get a seven and a half year promise done. And if you can't get that done, and Mitch McConnell's now saying, oh, we're going to wait until uh, 2018 to do the taxes, which he said, and it was quoted in Roll Call this week, I've got to look for other alternatives. Now, I think his greater (laughs) hope is that Republicans see that they will be iced out in some ways and that they realize that there will be another option. And it's not the best option. But the president has to also understand that Schumer and Pelosi despise him. They hate him. They want him to fail. They'll always be against him. Yeah, no, I, you got it exactly right. And it's in the context of the failure, right? So we did a face plant on Obamacare, and now no one knows what's going to be in the tax plan. And you got Carl Rove coming out yesterday attacking the Freedom Caucus, being against the budget and being against the tax plan. We're totally 100 percent behind the president's tax plan. We're 100 percent behind Paul Ryan's better way tax plan. The problem is not even the tax writers on Ways and Means Committee know what the tax plan is. And we're starting to hear some rumors that the small guy is being left behind, NFIB and et cetera. And then the Wall Street Journal lead editorial today says, holy moly, we may not get pro-growth tax reform. It may not be big enough after they have Karl Rove railing against us yesterday. So, yeah, it's this failure that has everyone... Here's how I interpreted the Rove. The Rove thing to me was a shot across the bow to try and get the Freedom Caucus to capitulate early. And I'm I'm now fearful that the same mistakes that were made on health care, Congressman Brad, are going to be made again. And that is there's no consensus plan. Nobody sees it ahead of time. Everything that you feared would be in health care ended up in health care. And then you literally have to do all the heavy lifting and fix the mess of a horrible rollout and a failure. And then, of course, they'll try and convince the president it's the Freedom Caucus's fault when, in fact, it was the leadership's fault. Yeah, well, no, it's and you're Pelosi talking all over again, right? It's. It's a Nancy Pelosi thing again. We don't want to vote on it and then find out what's in it and find out it's a disaster. We all support the Better Way plan, the president's plan, uh, but we don't know what's in it. And so you got it exactly right. We're going to take the bullets again, as usual. And Grove is intentionally making this comment. He's talking about a budget vote. We all voted yesterday for the appropriations bill. So that's the budget. It's already done. This budget resolution only includes tax. And so the average person listening doesn't care. And we got to make sure that the forgotten man, right? And this was all the way from Bernie, all the way through the Midwestern states that Trump won, all the way through Trump taking care of the forgotten blue-collar average worker back home. And that unites the DACA piece. The immigration piece is really about that. Wage rates have been flat in this country for 40 years. Everyone's ticked off. And so we, the immigration piece, you've got to first fix the labor market. The welfare reform needs to be fixed. K-12 to isn't skilling our kids up to work. And, uh, and that's it. And I'm sure Louis has more to add. Louis? Well, yeah, and I think it's very important when we start talking about the establishment and Karl Rove and all the arrows they're shooting and are going to be, these are the guys, uh, and Karl Rove's no dummy. He's a smart guy, but he had everything wrong. 
He was wrong about everything that Trump was pushing to get elected that got him elected. He was wrong about him not being able to be elected, and he didn't support the things that got him elected. And so naturally, people have got to be aware that when the president is trying to keep some the most important promises, Rove is going to be out there undoing. And remember, Rove was for that first health care bill. And some have said, well, you know, if you guys had just jumped on and, and, and agreed to that, then it would have been win at the sales. But the trouble is premiums would have continued to skyrocket. And a year after that bad bill, if we had passed that disastrous thing that Rove and Priebus and all them loved and the health insurance companies loved and the bailouts they were getting, then it would have been the end of our majority in uh, a year from November. And the first thing these clowns would have done when they get the majority was impeach Trump. We did what we had to. We stood in the way of that disastrous bill, and uh, we got a bill that was with, – would uh, would was you know wasn't great, but it was it was going to help America. And another thing to remember, uh, you know, when uh, uh, those guys were saying you got to pass this, you got to pass this, they knew that when America found out what was in that bill, they were going to turn on Trump. And God bless him, you know, President Trump. If you're him and you've seen us for years say, we're going to repeal it, we're going to repeal it, and we pass a repeal and send it to President Obama and he vetoes it, poor President Trump, he goes, okay, all right, I had plans, but if you just send me the same bill you passed in the last Congress in the House and Senate, I'll sign that one. And we couldn't even do that. I mean, if you're president, you got to be going, I don't know what to do here. This is nuts. And, And he'd be right. All right, stay right there. We'll come back more with Dave Bratt, more with Louis Gohmert <clears throat> in just a second here. Quick break. Right back. We'll continue. The, the disruptive forces inside the Republican Party, whether they are the Freedom Caucus and, or the Bannon Economic Nationalists, one faction of the House Republicans, the Freedom Caucus, basically said, we're going to stop the but we may vote no on the budget resolution. We may vote with Nancy Pelosi on the budget resolution unless you, in essence, give us final authority to examine all the ideas that you're talking about for the tax reform bill and approve them or disapprove them in advance. All right. That was Carl Rove being critical of the Freedom Caucus. What's wrong with actually reading these things and knowing what's in them ahead of time? Anyway, we continue with Freedom Caucus members, Louis Gohmert and Dave Bratt. I think that was you chuckling, Congressman Bratt. Um, I would think he'd want us to do that. Well, yeah. I mean, I told the press today, right? I mean, uh, Rove, I think he left Econ 101 and he went into fiction writing, what he said about the Freedom Caucus. We are in agreement with the Trump tax plan and the Paul Ryan tax plan. All you got to do is tell, he's just making up excuses, right? He says we changed the goal line or whatever. He's just making it up to find a scapegoat. You just give us the tax rates and who's getting them and tell us the numbers work out for the S Corp, for the forgotten man back home, C Corps, make us competitive, and we're a yes, right? And I said that in front of the whole conference, 240 Republicans, uh, two mornings ago in front of Paul Ryan, the speaker. And Brady got up to his credit and said, let's do that, right? So we're all unified, but we got to see what's in it. There's, and, and Rove just wants this blank check uh, so they, they can roll us as usual, right? If, they, if, if there's not good stuff in there, then we have to be a check on behalf of the American people. And that's what we stand for It's just doing what I'm, we I'm just trying to understand do. this whole thing here because it doesn't make any sense to me at all that 
you that that everybody wouldn't want to know what's in the bill. And if you don't know what's in the right, bill, exactly. how can you vote for what's in the bill? And that just right. I mean, I like Carl Rove, but he's making no sense here. And in many ways, I think he's close to Paul Ryan and the leadership. And, it, you know, I know he supported the first version of the health care bill, which nobody saw either. This is no way to govern. This is no way for leadership right. to manage the House because, you know, there are people, differing factions, the Freedom Caucus, the Tuesday group, the drinking group, the Saturday sleep overnight group, and everyone else there. Well, yeah, but, uh, Sean, I think there are people that are around Karl Rove that would love to see the anti-establishment Donald Trump fall flat on his face. And I think they would love to see uh, there are people out there. You know it. You know, we tell it. There are people that want to see him fail within the Republican Party so they can say, see, you upstarts, you don't know what you're doing. We got to go back to a real establishment Republican to run things. And uh, so, and, and I know President Trump's got to be aware of that, that there are Republicans that want to see him fail. And it is absolutely ridiculous for our party, the party that, that wants salt and light and and you know the best way to clean something up is with sunlight uh why would we want to agree to vote on something before we know what's in it i want to know what and i've told the president three times this year already don't let the reestablishment republicans talk you up from a 15 percent tax for small business for corporations because if we do that we can get back steel manufacturing. We can get back tire manufacturing. We can get back all these great jobs because, and I've mentioned this to him, I said, you know it from business. I know it from history. But any major nation that cannot produce what they need in a time of war, steel, tires, things like that, they will not remain a great nation after the next war. And no. he's got such these good These are troubling times. We've got to get these back. I've told... Yeah. I've said it now since we've gotten back from Labor Day. You guys have 14 weeks, and if this doesn't get done, it's going to be very bad for the Republicans. Now, you have a chance to solidify your gains in the House and Senate. You have a chance to win a lot of Senate seats, but if this all doesn't get done, it's not going to happen. All right, Dave Bratt, Congressman, thank you. Congressman Louis Gohmert, always a pleasure, my friend. Uh, 800-941-SEAN. When we get back, Dr. Sebastian Gorka. Then we have Rick Unger's going to check in. Jonathan Gillum's going to check in. And we'll get to your call straight ahead. And we'll probably also be talking about DACA because we don't want to forget DACA. And it's already been a week and a half and people don't talk about it as much. We want to see if we can do something with regard to immigration, with regard to the 800,000 people that are now young people. They're not children anymore. They were children. Now they're young people. But we want to see if we can do something in a bipartisan fashion so that we can solve the DACA problem and other immigration problems. So we'll be discussing that today. Now what we're doing is we're doing it in conjunction with the Republicans. We have a very, very good relationship with a lot of people. A lot of people want this to happen. They expect it to happen. And we'll see if it happens. But we'll only do it if we get extreme security, if we get not only surveillance, but everything that goes along with surveillance. And ultimately, we have to have the wall. If we don't have the wall, we're doing nothing. Why did the Democrats say there was a deal at dinner? 
There was no deal. They didn't say they had a deal. In fact, they just put out a statement. They didn't say that at all. Mr. President, if Republicans aren't able to get something in six months, will you continue the DACA program on your Well, we'll talk about that, but I think a deal will be made before six months. So no, no relief for DACA recipients unless you get the wall? Is that what you're saying? The wall, at some point, they're going to have to. They cannot obstruct the wall. The wall, to me, is vital. If I don't get the wall, then we will become the obstruction. What has to come first, wall and agreement on the wall? We have to have an understanding that whether it's in the budget or some other vehicle, in a fairly short period of time, the wall will be funded. Otherwise, we're not doing anything. Otherwise, we're not doing anything. You know, it's so frustrating. These people race out there last night. Oh, we got DACA. It's a deal. It's done. They just lie. They lie all the time. And a lot of this all is is because of Republicans' pathetic performance and failure. And now the president is either the greatest negotiator ever and trying to motivate them and light a fire under their asses and get them moving. Or, you know, he's just looking for another way to try and get his promises done because they can't do a thing seemingly. Mitch McConnell, well, maybe we'll do taxes in 2018. Oh, Oh, the vapors, these these expectations are so high. I, oh, the stress of it all. Nine months to keep an eight-year promise. Joining us now is Dr. Sebastian Gorka, who uh, recently left the White House as a counsel to the president. How are you, sir? Very well, Sean. Great to be back on the show. All right, let me start with what the president said there. And look, I was <laughs> last night, all of a sudden, boom. You know, everything's <laughs> going nuts because Pelosi and Schumer put out these statements. And it turns out the president has a very different view of the meeting last night. But with that said, a lot of people are very concerned, as I am, that, you know, if somehow they're able to convince this president to do a deal where he doesn't get the wall first, we're not getting the wall. It's just like you get tax increases, you never get spending reductions. You get, you know, some type of acquiescing or deal or concession, and you never, you never get the wall built ever, like Reagan in 86. Look, Sean, I stand by exactly what I've said already publicly. Uh, remember when a New York realtor businessman, billionaire called Donald Trump, started his campaign for presidency, his first policy platform, the foundation of it all, was immigration and the war. He's not, he's already said he's not going to go back. He knows the cost he would pay if that platform of his whole presidential campaign was somehow undermined. What, what he's done in the last few days is send a very simple signal to the GOP. This is, this is about you know, the master strategy. The GOP needs to understand that they didn't win the election last November. Donald J. Trump won the election, and he can deal with people who have the letter D behind their name, not just people who have the letter R behind their name. So this is, you know, have faith, as I tweeted out today to the base, take a deep breath, count to 10, and have faith. Listen, I have faith in the president. So far, he's never really wavered on his promises at all. I I went through the other night on TV. I don't know if you saw my ding, 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 ding (laughs) show, but... A lot of people seem to have caught it and all the promises that he's kept. But my question, you know, when Chuck Schumer comes out with this, look, I have no doubt that the president is going to probably have to deal and do things he doesn't want to do because we know there are so many weak Republicans there. Even the House bill on health care was never what anybody wanted. But we discovered that there were 100 House Republicans that never had any intention of repealing, replacing Obamacare, just like we had seven Senate Republicans that voted just to repeal in 2015, they had no intention of really doing it. And they only did it as show votes. So the circumstances are you either just sit there and do nothing or you have to negotiate. I get it. There's there's been no 
significant issue, which was up to the president that he hasn't followed through on, whether it's destroying the caliphate of ISIS in Mosul, whether it's revitalizing NATO, whether it's breaking the, what is it, the 29th stock market record, Sean, I can't even keep up with it, the, the million jobs he's created. When it's up to him, he always comes through. Now, in Obamacare, let's be very, very specific here. He said to the GOP, to his colleagues on the Hill, hey, guys, you've been working on this for seven years, saying repeal and replace. We have checks and balances. We have separation of powers. So you're going to fix this for America, right? And what did they do? They punted it. It's the same situation here. He doesn't want to fail with regards to immigration, and he's going to make a deal. At the end of the day, he will come through, because he always comes through. Now, Chuck Schumer spinning, Nancy Pelosi lying. Uh, We're used to that, Sean. Everybody should be used to that. But that's not how Donald J. Trump behaves. Listen, I agree with you, and that's the person that I've known, and that's the person that I see. But I do know how Washington works, and I do know that they're going to try and persuade him to make the concessions first, promising the wall, promising the funding, and then never do it. And I'm not saying, and that's why I think in terms of negotiation, look, I'm, I'm sure that this president in the course of his business career is probably shaking people's hands. All right, you got a deal. And those people follow through on their word. But I wouldn't count on any one of those people in D.C. to keep their word. None of them. Look, you're absolutely right with regards to who these people are, but don't you think he's got an inkling of that by now? And, and again, to reassure the people who vote for the president and still want to believe in the MAGA agenda, just because people like myself or Steve left the building, does anybody really think that the president isn't in touch with the people who truly understand how the swamp operates? Do, I don't do... think he is. I mean, that's my take. But I do think that they're, he's now entered a phase, and again, I go back to Republicans have literally pushed him into the arms of the Democrats because of their colossal failure. And so these are far more troubled waters that he's in now. Look, they are. It is truly. It is a swamp full of 20 It really is. Alligators. It's disgusting. I mean, no, it is. It's, it's <laughs> disgusting. It's, no, is it's the despicable. Word. No, it is. But at the end of the day, what do you know about this man? I know one thing. From the first moment I met him in 2015, before anybody took him seriously, right up to working with him in the Oval, in the West Wing, this man never gives up. You can try and stab him in the back. But he will be there for the long fight, and he will put on the table that which he probably Look, he just doesn't give up. His track record, 50 years in the private sector, he never, ever gives up. He is translating that into a divisive, disgustive environment. But the man hasn't changed. It's just a different, it's a different uh, game now. What do you do when the Republicans are so ineffective and they're so incapable of keeping their word? <laughs> uh, you know what you do? You send very clear messages. Uh, I mean, you, you go to dinner with Pelosi and Schumer? You go to dinner, and then you get people like the congressman in Pennsylvania then no. saying, uh, well, maybe I'm not going to run again. Because some people realize what happened November the 8th. What we need is the rest of the swamp to understand. If they don't get on board with the anti-establishment candidate who just crushed 16 establishment candidates. Can we we just think about that for a second? A man who's never held public office before wiped the floor with 16 GOP establishment candidates. That's what happened. They need to look themselves in the mirror and understand it's all changed. It's a new game. They can try the old tricks, but you know what's going to happen? 
in 2018 to those seats, they will lose them. And before that, they will be primaried. You know, what's, pack- you know what's frustrating is those people that say the president's not conservative. I don't care. You want to use nationalist, American first. I don't really care. But but the tax plan he has is Reagan-esque. What he discussed for repealing and replacing was Reagan-esque. Uh, his views on energy are Reagan. His views on judges are Reagan. His views on the border are Reagan. His views on military strength, you know, it, it's just so reminiscent of everything that Ronald Reagan stood for. And I'm arguing that I have not changed over the years. I am arguing that the Republican Party has become a party with no identity. The president has an identity, and he's fighting for issues. It's and all Republicans just- want to do is they're just so afraid of everything, and they're afraid of their own shadow. Does, does, you know, does an 18% of, approval rating for <laughs> Mitch McConnell, wake him up. Yeah, look, you're absolutely right on, on the quality, the substance of these platforms. But let's remember one more thing. He's had those views for decades. I mean, his views on China, on the military, on oil, on intellectual property theft, he didn't, he didn't make those up in the last months of the campaign. He gave interviews on those Do you think he's a nationalist populist, ago. or do you think he's a conservative, Dr. Gorker? I, I don't. I, I, I reject all those labels. He's a patriot who loves his country, and he wants all no. of us to prosper. Whether you, no, this is a big thing. Whether you voted for him or not, he wants you to prosper and be safe. Forget the labels. He's a pragmatist, and he's a patriot. So why did you leave? Why? Because I couldn't do what I needed to do for him inside the building, shackled as a government employee, and being boxed out of the policy process by people who had nothing to do with the agenda we came in with on January the 20th. And I'm going to help him from the outside because it's much easier right now. What does the future hold for you then? What are you thinking about doing? Uh, going I hope you come work for Fox News. I read that yesterday. <laughs> I'm like, all right, maybe Dr. Gorka will work with me. I'm, we love having you on. I'd love to. I'd love to. I'm going to have uh, an announcement coming out on Tuesday with regards to some of the things we've been talking about when it comes to primaries and, and helping the president's agenda. Right. But fighting a good fight. And if it's at Fox, if it's, if it's uh, on, the, on the stump uh, out there, it doesn't matter. It's the same thing wherever we are. Look, it's not a function of where I'm sitting or where Steve's sitting. It's a function of can we get MAGA yeah. To happen. I agree. Make America great again. And by the way, that's the forgotten men and women. And that's what this election was about. And that's what I tweeted right. out last night. That's what the president has to remember. All right, we got to take. We got a break here. Um, listen, we love having you. Let us know if we can help in any way, and uh, we hope you'll be on often, Doctor Sebastian Gorka on the Sean Hannity Show. All right, as we continue, Sean Hannity Show. Let's get to our busy phones. We got Joseph in beautiful Fort Myers, Florida, Southwest Florida. Now, I'm sure still cleaning up in the aftermath of Hurricane Irma. Joseph, how are you? Glad you called. Hope you're doing okay. Hello, this is Mike. Hello, Mike. <laughs> Where are you calling from, Mike? I'm calling from Fort Myers, Florida. All right, it says Joseph on my screen. We'll call you Mike instead. What's up, Mike? How are you? I'm doing just fine. How are you? It's a pleasure to talk to you. How's things going down there? I hope, I hope nothing happened to you and your family, your home, no damage. How's it going? We are totally fine. Good. We, uh, recovery efforts are going well. Uh, I live in a 55 and over community called Pelican mm-hmm. Preserve. And uh, I got to tell you. Everything down we, there is we, called Pelican, Pelican Bay, Pelican this, Pelican. Everything's a Pelican down in Florida. Go ahead. Well, I've never seen a Pelican here, but anyways. I've uh, seen them. You can see them down in Naples, I know for sure. But not in Pelican Preserve. Well, just, about 10 miles not the, the well, just go fishing out there on the Gulf. You'll find them. They'll find we you. Go fishing. We can go fishing right in our street. Well, I thought you said nothing happened. 
Well, we had uh, actually no damage to the buildings. We have uh, five condo buildings, uh, 22 yeah. units in each building. And uh, the condo buildings held up well. The carports, not so well. Okay, some of the carports got damaged. We had a lot of flooding. There's still a lot of flooding that continues. It's receding slowly. But we had about two and a half feet of, of water. And this is not a surge. This is just groundwater. We had about two, two and a half foot of water down the center of the streets. Yeah, listen, and, I have uh, friends in southwest but, Florida. You're not even allowed to brush your teeth with the water now. And I'm told when you get out of the shower, you feel dirtier than when you went in because the water's so bad right now. Is that still the case? Have, they're on a boil water alert still? No, the boil water alert's been lifted. Okay. Um, actually, uh, we got our power on yesterday. So we Very were nice. power for about we got our power out for about 60 hours. Yeah, a friend and, of mine uh, just got his power back down in Naples, too. He just wrote me. Uh, it's like, you know, it's, it's 80, 88 degrees, and it's like 98 degrees, yeah. according to with the humidity and everything. So it was very, very hot. But the people pitched in really well, prepared for it. You know, we had secured all of our things around the pool uh, area. We had made sure there were no projectiles. We uh, met with each other. We had phone lines for each other. Uh, the different buildings, you know, uh, we had a little pasta party the night before of the uh of the, storm. the night, the night of the storm. You having a big pasta the party? Night, the night before. You know, some of my friends down there—they did the same thing, and they—and uh, I just said, "Well, why don't you go up to? I have a, a condo down there." I said, "Go up to my unit and, and go take anything you want." And she goes, "Great, I'll take some champagne. You have some champagne." Which, by the way, I'd never drink champagne in my life. So I'm like, "Go ahead, drink. Take them all. Take every bottle. I don't want it." And so uh, good for you. I'm just glad you're doing okay. Uh, we're not going to forget Texas either. I know some people is on in the front cover of USA Today today, today and people are worried about that. Uh, look, help is on its way. I'm glad we didn't have the, the bigger storm that was possible and the damage and destruction that was possible. So you're all in our thoughts and prayers. I know a lot of cleanup for a lot of people, and there's going to be a lot of work down there for a lot of people. Hang in there. And uh, hopefully we'll see you down there soon. we got to take a quick break. We'll come back. 800-941-SEAN. Rick Unger and our buddy Jonathan Gillum when we get back. And in the next hour, we'll get to your phone calls. 800-941-SEAN. I think one of the most important monologues on Hannity tonight that I've given since uh, Donald Trump's been elected. 10 Eastern. He likes us. He likes me anyway. Look, what we said was exactly accurate. Here's what I told him. I said, Mr. President, you're much better off if you can sometimes step right and sometimes step left. If you have to step just in one direction, you're boxed. He gets that. Oh, it's going to work out. And it'll make us more productive, too. That's Chuck Schumer. And he's on the Senate floor. Jonathan Gillum is back with us, as well as Rick Unger. And my take, guys, is very, very simple, that Republicans screwed the president. Their colossal failure, inability to get things done, has resulted in him rushing over to Rick Unger's friends. And Rick Unger's friends are real happy and giddy, although the president had to contradict everything Pelosi and Schumer said last night about what deal they reached on DACA. And the president reinforcing his original promise that he's going to build the wall or nothing is getting done, period. Rick Unger. Uh, I think the president's uh, had a very good week, if you ask me. And actually, I listened to a few of his statements today. I don't think he's really backed away from what I initially heard he had uh, pre-agreed to. We'll call it that last night with the with the two Democrats. I think no, no, he said there's no deal. And he said there would be no deal unless, of course, it included border security. 
Yes, he said border security. and then No, no, no. And he said building a wall. Nah, he did not yeah, say that that kinda, had to be part yeah, of it. He, no, he, he did didn't. say building no, a wall. I got the quote he said, right here. He absolutely said that he wants, he intends to build the wall, but he did not at all make it clear that well, that has says, to be part of the He said right here, let me, let me read the quote to you. He says, we have to have the wall. If we don't have the wall, we're doing nothing. Quote. And if you hear that was his statement from Florida, if you heard his statement earlier before he left for Florida, he had made it, I thought, pretty clear that well, yes, he said it on the he, plane this morning and he said he it in his to have today. a wall. Well, we'll see. We'll see what it, what, what it says. I think it becomes tricky to make the deal if the wall has to be part of it, because there are so many Republicans and Democrats who think that the wall is a waste well, of if money. The president doesn't do the wall. And that's my point, Jonathan Gillum. Then he might as well pack it in because that's read my lips. No new tax for him. Oh, exactly. I mean, listen, first off, the fact that he is uh, going old school in the way he is relating to the Democrats, I think is phenomenal. You said it. I've said it. Uh, I think Rick probably even agree with this, that uh, it's been the Republicans that have been his biggest nightmare, uh, not his uh, not Absolutely. the Democrats. And I think I think the fact that he reached out to them and has done this um, has has really um, set the standard. Uh, it's kind of taking it back to the Reagan era where he is reaching across the aisle and doing what politicians should do and what a commander-in-chief should do. But if, and you're exactly right, Sean, if he doesn't build this wall, I mean, that's the main thing, whether or not it's going to be the answer to immigration. He said he was going to do it, and half the country voted for him largely, uh, because not because of that, but that was the first thing that he said. And it'll be a death knell for him running uh, in, in three and a half years. And, you, and Rick, you're smart enough to know that. And you, you, you would say to him, don't give up on the wall. Yeah, I, let me just read you what he said as he was departing for Florida. Uh, he said, the wall will come later. We're right now renovating large sections of wall, massive sections, making it brand new. We're doing a lot of renovations. We're building four different samples of the wall to see which one we're going to choose and which one's going and, and, and the wall is going to be built. It will be funded a little bit later. That doesn't sound to me like he's tying it to the DACA discussion. So. I don't know. What do you think? Uh, Now, I think that that's what Pelosi and I have no doubt they talked about it last night. And I have no doubt. But the president also was clear. He said, we're not talking about amnesty at all. And he did talk about a way to find somehow sort of thread the needle and get and talk about people that were brought here. People that have done a good job were brought here not of their own volition, but importantly, what they want is we have to have a wall. And if the wall's going to obstruct, then he went on to say, well, then we're not going to have anything. And then he went on to say, we have to have the wall again. And if we don't have the wall, we're doing nothing. So I don't think you can be any more clear. I know everybody would like that. Well, but I mean, you've got two different statements here. You just read me a quote that he did say, and I read you a quote that he had said an hour and a half earlier, so we're left confused. Is that not fair to say? I'll let Jonathan you know answer. What? Jonathan? That's politics. <laughs> That's politics. Well, not you know, always, but... Here's, here's something else. Uh, listen, if you're not confused by what uh, goes on in Washington, D.C., you're, you're, you have a crystal ball that I don't have. But the fact is, when it comes to uh, the wall versus DACA or amnesty or any of this stuff, I, I can't understand why uh, Washington, D.C. Um, tries to completely solve a problem, either far left or far right. Things like immigration, we need to look at policies. We need to look at how people get in here. But something like DACA with the people in here, if the president gave some of these people amnesty or had a contract with America that they could sign, 
showing that they've been here working. I actually wouldn't have a problem with that myself, but I look for effective solutions. The thing is, he is in a precarious place right now, the president is, because a lot of people, myself included, are watching not him so much as the people that are around him, the McMasters, the Mattises, all these different people that worked under the other administrations and people may have questions about. That's what people are watching now from the conservative side of the House. So that's where he needs to be very careful in this. And I think what he did with the Democrats and the language that he's using is great. He just can't let them take advantage of him and in him thinking that they're his buddies now. That is the biggest mistake he'd ever make, thinking they're the buddies. They may be his best yes. choice. In fact, as Sean, you said, or I think you said earlier, maybe it was it was uh, Jonathan. The Republicans certainly have not been doing him any any favors, uh, and he's looking for ways to get things done. I kind of give him credit for that. I think what you're really going to find here, first of all, understand that while it's great that the Democrats are working with him right now, if it gets a good result, um, they can't work with him next year in an election year. Maybe they can come back and work with him the year after that and then forget about it as we get into the presidential election. But on the DACA thing, he is a little bit in, in, in a trap. First of all, he really did not campaign on ending DACA. I, I got to give him that. And I think some people are tagging him with that unfairly. Secondly, he knows that overwhelmingly the country has spoken up and said, no, nah, we don't think we should be throwing these people out. They didn't really do anything wrong. So I think he's trying to maximize what he can get that's on his agenda. And he is very clear that he wants greatly increased border security, whether or not the walls included in that at this point or not, it's confusing. But uh, and I think the Democrats probably read them loud and clear and are probably prepared to do that to resolve the DACA issue on the amnesty thing. You know, this is an interesting discussion, because as you go back and look at some of the different efforts Congress has made over the years prior to President uh, Trump, you'll see four very different bills. Two of them have a, a road to citizenship. Two of them do not. So, you know, it's just a question of which way they're going to go. The president was clear today that it's not going to be citizenship. The president says he does not want citizenship. That's right. No. You know, look, I I understand the complicated nature of this. I go back to a very simple principle, as that is, and Republicans are just, none of this would have happened if they would have gotten their job done, Jonathan Gillen. Nothing, none of it. And you know what? It's I'm a trust but verify guy. You always get the tax increase. You never get the spending reduction. You always get the, okay, we'll we'll acquiesce. We'll we'll give in on, in the case of Reagan, full amnesty in 86. It didn't work. And he never got the border security that was promised him then. And that's the problem with all of this. And that was the trap. I think the Democrats are trying to set for him. Sean, I'll go on a limb and say that I think that that, uh, this has been their intention all along, that uh, the majority of these establishment figures in the Republican Party were 100 percent sure that Hillary Clinton was going to win. And I think in a lot of ways they were okay with it because uh, of the way that the Clintons work. They knew that their bread would get buttered. And I think what we're seeing now is uh, pushback. From the very people that call themselves Republicans and conservatives. And I think, listen, it's a blessing in disguise, Sean, because it's easy to identify who in Washington, D.C. right now is a true conservative and who's a true Republican uh, to the people, not uh, dedicated to the party and to the establishment and to lining their own pockets. That is the silver lining out of this whole thing is now we can fully establish who they are. And we know 
that they're not going to bring anything effective to the table. That's not what they do. That's not why they work their way into D.C. They did it for themselves. Look, Republicans have this opportunity, and Rick's probably going to disagree with a lot of this. If Republicans get 300 miles of the wall built before 2018, he has a conservative justice under his belt. And if he does those simple few things, it's going to result in the Republicans having a banner year in 2018. The next 14 weeks will probably decide all this, Rick. You probably think that's all. I hope that doesn't happen. Well, whether whether I think that I might hope it doesn't happen, to answer your original point, I actually mostly do agree with that. Uh, this this listen, not only does this president still have an opportunity to win in the midterms, I'm not sure it's going to be a banner year, but I do agree that a lot of these things would that you just mentioned would go very mm-hmm. far to keep the Republicans in power in both houses. But not only that, I keep saying to my Democrat friends, don't think for a second that this man cannot be reelected for a second term because he can. Oh, absolutely. Um, He can. And And he can win by a bigger margin. All right. Stay right there. We got to take a break. All right. As we continue with Jonathan Gillum and also as we continue with uh, Rick Unger, Rick, how many more excuses is Hillary going to make? Do you want me to read the list? I'm up to 42 (laughs) now excuses that she's made as to why she lost. And by the way, she never mentions herself. And she specifically says it wasn't her. And she never mentions Trump either. Are you actually reading the book? Are you serious? Because I'm not. I, I, I don't I know why anybody to cares. Go to sleep. I swear I don't know why anybody cares. But she's cares. on a Hillary book Clinton... tour. She's blaming everybody yes, but so herself. What? Is Hillary Clinton ever running for even dog catcher again? I don't think so. <laughs> Therefore, it's a matter of history. I don't care why she lost. She lost. Right, I let only me play, care let me play to the extent Anderson that it Cooper matters for the, the next other election. Night. Anderson Cooper interviews Hillary. And, and listen to her answer um, about, I knew I had no reason to worry about jail. I'm not so sure. Listen to this. About all the lock corruption. Yes. And that right. Donald Trump had said it at the, actually it was at the second debate. Donald Trump said he if he was president, you would be in jail. Is that something you seriously worried about? Well, I knew I had no reason to worry about it, but I But worried that, that he might I, make that effort. You can't predict what he might do. That's one of the lessons I think we've seen so far in this presidency. Um, but, you know, I, that, like so much else, I just kind of moved beyond that. I got interested in cleaning my closets and, you know, taking long walks in the woods, things that helped me recover from that loss. What's your reaction to that? <laughs> I think cleaning her closets and taking long walks in the woods is a perfect use of her time at this point. She's no longer a candidate. I Honestly, I'm surprised you're helping her sell the book by talking about it. I just don't care what's in her book because she's not going to be candidate for president again. This is not okay. You know what, though? I think she should be and ultimately may end (laughs) up having some very severe, very severe legal issues. Jonathan. I, you know, listen, I think this should be studied by, uh, by conservative or free-thinking psychologists, and they should look at this um, and determine what this is. Is this uh, some kind of, uh, of psychotic behavior? Is this narcissism? Um, something that is not just Hillary Clinton, but is sweeping the far left, not, not Rick Unger liberal, the far left. Look, we look at Harvard. They're making Chelsea Manning, a.k.a. Bradley Manning, a fellow uh, at Harvard. Um, somebody who potentially could have gotten soldiers killed and is uh, a traitor to their 
to this country. Um, they're going to honor them, at, at this uh, person at Harvard. It's the same type of weird uh, ideology. Rick said that uh, Hillary Clinton will never run for office again. I, I don't I don't see that. I think somebody I like Rick wants her to, Hillary. Who, if Rick, if you had your choice, yeah. who would you want to run for the Democrats in 2020? Tough call. It's something I've been thinking a lot about. Well, give me uh, your top three or four. Uh, I'd say Higgenlooper, I think, could be a good candidate. Um, believe it or not, I think Joe Biden might be somebody if he's not too old. And I love Senator Al, but I, I don't see it happening. Uh, and I think Amy Klobuchar is, is an interesting choice. Okay. What do you think about that? Do you think Trump could beat all of them, Jonathan? Well, I would hope so, since Rick just named like several communists in the uh, in the list. Communists? You use that word so loosely. someday I'm going to have to explain to you what a communist I actually know. is. I want to know. Do you think Rick's a communist? What a communist is. And, and Amy Klobuchar is a communist. John Higginlooper is a communist. Do, what are you, you kidding? Do you think Al that Franken Rick is. Unger's a communist? No, he's not. He knows better than to call Rick Unger a communist. Well, well what are you going to no, beat him up? No, He'll kick never. your ass. He's a former no, Navy SEAL. You're dead. He knows better. <laughs> In fact, I go out of my way to make sure that people on Twitter, when they when they say that about Rick Unger, he is not. He is absolutely not. And but Rick is a free thinker. Um, a lot of these people that uh, are politicians. See, here's where the Democrats are getting it wrong. People are tired of uh, the status quo politicians. If the Democrats ever came up with somebody um, that was uh, a real person uh, that saw th- Rick. Maybe you should run for president. That ain't going to happen. Well, I mean, I, is that your best? I mean, you. what does the Democratic Party stand for? I don't see that it stands for anything. Well, you today. know, it's it, it's that's actually a fair question, uh, because I don't think the Democratic Party right now knows very well either what it stands for. It's starting to get its arms around it. But I think the uh, even the slogan that they came out with uh, was I thought was really, really weak. I know what we need to stand for, uh, but I'm not sure that we've put it together yet to persuade people. But look, a lot of those people who voted for the, the current president, who voted for Donald Trump, were once Democrats, and the Democrats left them behind. And they not only have to come up with an economic approach that interests those people, but they have to persuade those people that they mean it. That's a big job. The other problem, well, we got a break, but the other problem you have is how bad a job Obama did. But we got to let you go. Well, when we, we come on back. that, we disagree. It's the Sean Hannity Show. Your call's coming up straight ahead. Glad you're with us. 25 till the top of the hour. I know a lot of you want to react, want to respond um, to everything that's going on here. We want to hear from all of you. Uh, 800-941-SEAN on number. Patty is in Vegas listening to K-Dawn Radio. Patty, hi. How are you? Glad you called. Hey, how are you today, Sean? I'm good. What's going on? Well, I'm disappointed with Trump's uh, flip-flopping on the wall situation. It's, um, you know, when my family came to this country, they did it legally. They didn't sneak over the border. They did what they had to do to um, to get into the country and become tax-paying citizens and documented citizens. So it's kind of frustrating if he takes this stance that he's going to flip-flop on this. Look, I think the president is signaling very clear, and I can only use his words today because, again, I, like everybody else last night, I didn't like I, – I don't like the situation he's been put in, and we've got to put some context to that. He's been put in this position because of the Republican Party's failure. Okay, fair enough. That does not take away his obligations for his promises. Just because they broke their word and they're unwilling to do the things they said that they were going to do – it doesn't get him off the hook, especially as it relates to the wall. 
And so I can Correct. only I can only go to what the president said today, which I have been highlighting in the course of the program today. And I'll read it to you again. He says that he said it's he has a good relationship with a lot of people. They want to get a lot of things done, but we'll only do things if we get extreme security. If we get not only surveillance, but everything that goes along with surveillance. And ultimately, we have to have the wall. If we don't have the wall, we're doing nothing. So absolutely. So I listen, I'm saying if the president here's the here's the problem with the president that that maybe he knows, maybe he doesn't know. I don't know. He's a very smart man and you cannot underestimate his negotiating ability. But. He cannot be sucked into, okay, we'll give you the wall, but first we got to do this. Because that's the same thing we always get. We always get the tax increase. We never get the spending cuts. We always get the, you know, the, the either in the case of amnesty or the president was very, you know, very clear also saying we're not talking about amnesty. We're talking about uh, taking care of people that were brought here, that have done a good job, not brought here by their own volition. And he says, but we have to have the wall. If the wall is going to uh, be obstructed, then what we need the funds later. This is the danger for him. At a later date, we will be determining how much we need. We're not doing anything until they get the wall. So, well, you know, I think what he's saying have. here is that he'll show flexibility, no citizenship, but the people aren't going to be rounded up that we're here as children. That's what he's saying. Right. Well, and nobody's expecting him to round up people that came here. It's children. I mean, as a mother, I would I would be devastated. But I think what we're really looking for, especially as voters for him, is for him to stick to his word and hope that, you know, Pelosi and Schumer don't get their they don't feel like they've been given an inch and they take a mile. And then the rest of us aren't heard. Like you always say, the forgotten man and women that are that are here. You know, my daughter is in the Navy and fighting for this country. And what is she fighting for if we're not willing to, to stand up for the Constitution and the laws of the land? That no, is listen, I, I agree wholeheartedly with you. I, I, I think this is a no brainer. I really do. I think in every way this is a no brainer for the president. And I think that he needs to just stay on his word. Look, I'm going to go back to my tweets last night. And I said, you know, and I think I laid it out very, you know, as, as as well as I could today. Mitch, great job. You failed so miserably with health care and his comment about excessive expectations and then saying in roll call, well, we might have to wait for 2018 to do taxes that he literally now has pushed the president into the arms of the Democrats. Great job. And then I went on, and, and this is very important because all of these things matter. These 14 weeks matter a lot. And I said politicians need to keep their word. Republicans failed on health care. They broke their word. They have failed. And the president needs to keep his promises. And then I said, and if the POTUS doesn't keep his promise, promises— and he goes along with a bad deal, it will be the political equivalent if he doesn't build that wall of read my lips. And I don't want the president, A, I want the agenda fulfilled, as I've been saying. He needs to stay the course, keep his promises, or he'll it, it, politically it will seal his fate. And I don't want to see that happen. Because then what that means is we're going to end up with eight more years of an Obama presidency, and that would be horrible. Don't forget the agenda, I tweeted. Help the forgotten men and women ignored and hurt by Obama and the Democrats. That's what matters. That's where I think the focus needs to be. You get the last word. Well, I think, 
Well, I think the sad part about this is, is that the Republicans have put him in a corner and it goes to the old adage that the enemy, uh, the, you know, the friend of my, the enemy of my, it makes friends with my enemies because my enemy right now is the Republican Party because they are not helping everybody that we voted in. They're, they're turned their back on us as the Republican Party, us as the voter our president. And it's not fair. And it's it's really disheartening for somebody like my son, who has went to every Trump rally, is watching all this stuff. He's on a speech and debate team, and he's having to defend Trump at every turn. And then he makes a, a stance like this. And it's, it's pretty disheartening. But I want to tell you something really quick, Sean. I know you have to go, but I want to go back to your T-shirt thing where the teacher with a T-shirt in class. So my son wears his Trump sweatshirt to school. And the teacher tells him that he needs to take it off because it is triggering other students. And That's so my insane. son's like, oh, no, my son was like, so triggering how? No, no answer from the teacher. So my son obliges the teacher and takes off his Trump sweatshirt to reveal his Trump T-shirt underneath. And he said, is this less triggering? And the teacher goes, looks at him, didn't say anything and told him how to see <laughs> oh, my gosh. I mean, I can't believe these schools are all indoctrinating all these kids. Oh, you, if you saw the docket for his speech and debate, one of the questions on his last speech and debate last week was, did Trump, um, should we make a time period for re for your intent to run for the next election longer? Should it should be two years or three years or should you have to wait till one year prior to the actual election and because Trump filed his intent like the first week. But a lot of presidents, when he did his um, research on it, a lot of presidents did that. The, the clauses are amazing. The, the docket is crazy of stuff that they want these kids to debate. And it's all about crushing Trump's agenda. Well, all right. Well, listen, I got to run other callers here. Appreciate it. Thank you, Patty. Well, thank you for the call. That's who I was talking to. Uh, let's say hi to Donna in Staten Island, New York, the all new AM 710 WOR. What's up, Donna? How are you? Good, my friend. How are you? I'm good. What's happening? Well, I just wanted to say, I know a lot of people are freaking out about, you know, everything with Trump and what he's doing. I happen to personally believe he's way smarter than everybody else. And I think he trusts his instincts as a businessman, which have served him very well over decades. I mean, he's where he is as far as being a successful businessman. I think he wrote the book, The Art of the Deal. And I think that's what he's exercising here. And he didn't get anywhere with the people who are supposed to be on his side. So... You know what? The old saying, keep your friends close, but your enemies closer. That's what I think he's doing. I don't yeah, look, I, I, listen, don't underestimate his negotiating powers and his negotiating ability. But with all that said, I see very dangerous waters that he's stepping into here. And I know he was pushed into these waters. And I understand all of the dynamics that are going on here. I, I have been laying out the five forces against this president more than anybody. And on that list are Republicans, weak Republicans and never Trumpers. There's nothing more than they want him to fail. And they'll convince him, yeah, if you just do DACA and give up on the wall, trust us, this is going to be great. It's not going to be great, and it's going to destroy his credibility with those people that went to the polls fought for him and voted for him. So what I'm doing here is I'm I'm assuming he knows, but in case he doesn't, then we have, you know, I'm just trying to remind everybody because I know exactly how this plays out. All right, let's go to Charles in Washington State. Charles, hi. How are you? Glad you called, sir. 
Great, Sean. How are you? I'm good. What's going on? Hey, I just wanted to say that, you know, I support Trump. I support what he's doing 100%. I'm very, very upset at the Republicans. You know, I get calls at my home from Dave Bossie and from the Republican National Committee raising money. I give some money to them. I gave some money to them. And what they do to me on the Affordable Care Act? Nothing. Didn't deliver. What did they do for me on this uh, um, this thing with DACA? You know, Trump has been a brilliant mastermind. He's given everybody a high school civics lesson in the Constitution of what it takes to pass a law, not just an executive order that can be overturned by the next commander in chief. Right. But he's just brilliant. And All right, get you know to your what? point. So, I, what's your? Where's your beef? I my okay. I got two beefs. First beef is. I really support him sitting down with Nancy Pelosi and Chuck Schumer to at least talk to him. You know, Congress has a approval rating of just 16%. Their numbers are low. Those of us working our butts off here in America, paying taxes, we really want Congress to do stuff for us. And you know what? Trump's lighting a fire under their butts and getting things done, and I like that. The second beef I have. I don't mind them sitting time. down. The only problem is, is they leave the room and they race out to the press and they say things that probably aren't true. Or they yeah. say things and they take them out of context and they say things and they want them to look bad and they say things and he's got to contradict it the next night and morning. That's, That's what bothers that me. Exactly. That's exactly correct. And, and it ought to be that... an indication is there are people that just are not and will never be trustworthy. These these Democrats they want him to fail. I mean, let's be honest. They do not want him to be successful, and they're never going to want him to be successful. These are the people that have called him every name in the book, starting with racist. Let's go from there. Okay. And, and you know what? But, but Trump remembers that we elected him. He's got 307 electoral votes, three-fifths of the electoral college. We elected him. We want him to get things done in spite of all the heat and stuff from the media and in spite of the heat and stuff from the Democrats. We want him to get things done. So I'm really proud of him for sitting down with him to at least talk with him. Now, the other thing I want to talk about, and you might not have time for this. You might not even care. Let about me get this, to another it, caller I, because I, I'm giving you enough time here. So many people are dying to vent in this and I want to get them a chance to speak. But you make a lot of good points. Um, anyway, we do appreciate it, Charles. Uh, Jimmy in Spring, Texas. Jimmy, how are you? Hi, Sean. Happy Trump Thursday. <laughs> I needed a good laugh today. Thanks for making me happy. I appreciate it. It's been a rough day. Well, I'd say I, I, I think I'm going to uh, make you laugh twice here. But, Sean, the, the title of the Hillary book, I think, has a lot more meaning to it. And that is there's an old adage that I heard years ago that says there are three types of people in the world. There are those who make it happen. There are those who watch what happened, and there are those who say, hey, what happened? <laughs> yeah. It is clear that in 2016, we had a make-it-happen guy, Donald Trump, and we had a what-happened candidate in Hillary Clinton. I think that's Clinton. well said. She still, by the way, and she still doesn't know what hit her. She doesn't know what happened. She Back has no up, idea what happened. Creep. Get away from me. Exactly. I'm a creep. Um, no, she's out of her mind. I think that's well said. Uh, Mike in Cincinnati. What's up, Mike? How are you? Glad you called. Yeah. How are you, Mike? I'm doing well. Thank you. Uh, help me with a little history, Sean. Uh, yes, sir. We have the White House in, in both, uh, both houses of Congress now. When's the last time we had that? That's a great point. A long, long time ago. 
and likely likely not to happen again for a while. This opportunity Congress of a generation. Op- I keep saying that. Yes, sir. Yeah, uh, this Congress has an opportunity to get things done with this president that will affect this country and the positive and its people for years, maybe decades. And uh, for them not to take advantage of that, what they're not coming out and saying it, Sean, but they're in action. What it's telling me is the party comes first, the American people and the country come second, and it is absolutely outrageous. I will tell you this. It is beyond the pale what the Republicans have done. And the president has like twice, three times the popularity of Congress. And the reason it is, is to the president's credit. I mean, I don't know if you remember the show I did a few weeks ago and I had ding, 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 ding. All the promises he's kept. If he gets away from that model and he gets away from keeping his promises and probably one of the biggest, if not the biggest biggest, biggest promise of the president was what was the whole issue of building the wall and securing the borders. If he sticks with that, he's going to win. If he if he somehow is talked out of it or they say, no, 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 just give us this first. We'll do that later. They're not going to do it later. It's always you, you always get the tax increase. You never get the spending cut. You always get the capitulation on whatever it is. And you never get the wall built. You always get the the you acquiesce, you try and work with people and you never get paid back. And and that's the sad part. of That's the risk. Anyway, um, thank you for being with us. We appreciate it. 800-941-SEAN is our number. Quick break. Right back. We'll continue. All right. That's going to wrap things up for today. Tonight on Hannity, 10 Eastern on the Fox News Channel, the president, the wall, DACA and all of the issues surrounding this deal that supposedly it happened with Pelosi and Schumer that the president said didn't happen. We'll talk about the dangers of the D.C. swamp. And that means what they promise and won't deliver. Comprehensive coverage tonight. Laura Ingram, Lou Dobbs and much more. Hannity, Fox News. And we'll see you back here tomorrow. We'll see you tonight at 10. More Than a Movie is back with Season 2. I'm your host, Alex Fumero. And each week, I'm going to talk to the people behind your favorite movies. From The Godfather, Andy Garcia. He has the smarts of Vito, the temper of Sonny, the warmth of Fredo, and the coldness of Michael. To the legend behind La Bamba, Lou Diamond Phillips. When I walked in, I didn't think I had a shot at Richie. Because John Stamos's picture was already up on the wall. Listen to More Than a Movie on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Hello, acclaimed comics writer and notorious Scott Summers hater, Rosie Knight. Well, hello, Emmy-winning podcaster and totally unbiased Targaryen royal supporter, Jason Concepcion. Somehow the X-Ray Vision podcast has returned. And like always, we'll be here every week. You'll hear from TV writers, actors, comics creators, pop culture critics. Nothing is off the table. Listen to X-Ray Vision on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Hey, I'm Jay Shetty, and I'm the host of the On Purpose podcast. This week, I talked to Orlando Bloom in a rare interview where we went deep into how to get comfortable with fear and how to change the guilt and shame thought pattern. People say, what are you afraid of, right? I'm afraid of fear because it's like I want to confront anything in my life that feels challenging on those levels. Listen to On Purpose with Jay Shetty on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts.